Dad Bod Rap Pod, episode 131. My name is Damone Carter, a.k.a. Dem One. Um, I am an enthusiast of the WAP. How about you, Nate? Um, to a point, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, it's better than the alternative, uh, the DAP. Uh, no, no one wants that. Um, oh, brief, especially now, no DAP. Brief yes. anecdote um, about DAP. Um, I work my, it's my second job, but my first real job, my first job, I was a lifeguard and I taught swimming lessons for one summer. Um, yeah. Nate Hasselhoff, go in. Shirtless Nate, no good. Never went back to it. Um, so my second job was at Long's Drugs, which was the precursor to CVS. And I had, I had a, I worked there for a long time Mm -hmm. in high school and I made a lot of friends and had some good times and some very weird things that happened. And one of the weird things that happened is this old woman came in and was just like, do you have like creams for my vagina is super dry. Like, it's just like so dry. And I'm just like, um, you know, I'm, I'm 16, let's say, but like a young 16. I hadn't really like done much yet in my life. And I'm standing oh, at the register. And I don't know if you ever remember Longs, but we wore these like really, really cheesy, like polyester green, Kelly green vests. Oh, Yeah. I'm in like a polo shirt that doesn't fit me with like a necktie I grabbed from my dad's closet that doesn't match and my stupid green vest. And I'm looking at this 80 year old woman and like aisle 17 on the left. I think it's like my third day. Like this is what this job is going to be. And the closest thing that ever happened to that again was this older gentleman came in like maybe two years after that after I had been hip to the game a little bit and he asked me essentially if we carried a sling with like some kind of like guides on the side that he could put his flaccid penis into so that it would work wow yeah at long's drugs at long sir this is a Wendy's like straight up out of pocket like wildness happening at long's drugs like it was normal and I'm like I'm not a pharmacist I'm a kid. I'm getting on the intercom as soon as you leave and blowing this up to all of my coworkers. I'm going to tell this story on my podcast in 20 years. Like, this is insanity. Do not talk to me about your DAP. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But, so you, you came to WAP with a, with, a, with a certain set of experiences that prepared yes. you for WAP. Absolutely. Um, so obviously what we're talking about is the Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion song, uh, WAP. And uh, it stands for the opposite of what I just talked about in my story. And uh, it's pretty crazy. And people have a lot of opinions about it. People have a lot of opinions about it. I have to say I'm a bad podcaster in that I have not watched it. But I, I am the king of, of opining on the controversy and not inter- engaging with the, with the source content. Um, because there is this kind of a, I would say it's a respectability conversation that has erupted, which I almost feel like I'm going to be disappointed. Like when I see this video, I want to see Caligula, like it better be fucking ridiculous for all of the, the kind of bluster that has come what out they of call, it. They call it a pearl clutching. Uh, yeah, yeah, have, like, like this pearl clutching puritanical thing. The big thing today, and I hate to even say this dude's name on our podcast, but Ben Shapiro, the right wing idiot, like read the lyrics on his show and was saying that if like your P 
is so W, then it's like a medical condition and you should get it checked out. Like, people are so stupid. Like, wow. I actually think wow. it's, it's a good song. Like, it has, the, like, it's for a mainstream song, it has this incredibly minimal beat. And it's just these, these two ladies, like, rapping. I, I, yeah. I, we've talked about this a lot. You'd think as, like, crusty, older, uh, hip-hop classicist dudes, we wouldn't like Cardi. Like, nothing could be further from the truth. I think she's great. Um, yeah. I, it's, it's, she's such, like, a, a fascinating person. Like, what Personality. She herself out to be is fascinating. And while I don't think her rapping is essentially, like, top-notch, it's more of, like, a personality thing. She's great. And yep. Megan, we've, we've had our eye on, so to speak. Yep. Um, Damone, I can't remember when you were the first person to bring her I brought, up. I oh, brought Megan into the conversation. Time ago. Yeah, I brought Megan to the conversation. Um, she has quite a bit of talent and ability. Um, yeah, I, I've, on this program, we talked a little bit about um, this kind of, yeah, you, you hit on the nail, the nail on the head is this puritanical kind of vibe that some of the old schoolers can have which is so interesting to me because rap for the first 35 years was just dudes talking about their dicks in different ways oh, i mean i just can't yeah. tell you how many hours of my life i've spent <laughs> hearing the various phalluses described right yeah uh, so, so who cares wouldn't you rather listen to the female perspective on this particular issue um, um I, I was it's, thinking about it's interesting. my bike ride the other day and it's a little bit of a tangent so let's come back to to WAP or WAP or whatever we're calling it uh but I was thinking about this and I would just love to hear your take I think the number one most rapped about thing ever is drug dealing okay number two is love and you could say that about huh. all these uh, loving of different things and okay. then number three okay. would be hip-hop itself Okay. Like the self-referential nature. Does that sound okay. like the ballpark? If we added up all the bars ever, maybe I can get that guy who counts bars to like uh, the dudes guy dive the, on the on the entire yeah. get uh, the dudes genre. guy. If we I, can I go think... from like Busy B at the like uh, you know band shell in Wild Style up to WAP, like <laughs> what is the most rapped about topic? I think yeah. the number one would be the the self, the ego. For right. which, for, for the vast majority of hip hop's history, has been the male ego. Right. And so, what what is so offensive to folks um, in their kind of fake pearl clutching is that women are asserting themselves of saying, "I'm not a bit player in your dick story." Like, actually, I am the protagonist, and your dick is small. <laughs> like, and my pussy's wet. Like, and that is offensive to some cats. And I go. For any anybody listening to this, if you find deep fault with that, um, I just gotta call bullshit. Like you've listened to so many records about um, about strippers, about women being objectified. So when a woman steps forward and kind of takes that and almost rebrands that in a similar way to the way the N word is rebranded, like women are taking these terms that were used to cut them down and being like, we own them now, and also fuck you. And so, I to me that is peak hip hop. Yeah, it's 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 oppressed people taking their oppression, remixing it, and throwing it back in your face. And if you have a problem with that, I I would just respectfully ask you to kind of dig into that a little bit because if you're really down with this shit, if you listen to Ice Cream, if you listen to Too Short, if if you've been with this shit this whole time, and now WAP is offensive to you, CeeLo Green. <laughs> um, I, I, I call bullshit. 
I go talk about how someone who has no leg to stand on in terms of criticizing anything or even really being in the cultural conversation right now. Isn't he like credibly accused of sexual assault? Yes, has has no uh, to him a woman being unconscious is is a form of consent. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you shouldn't be able to comment. But that's what patriarchy is. It's yeah. it's dirtbaggy guys being able to make moral judgments on women. So this has been. But but now I have to see it, and I can't help but think I'm gonna be disappointed. There's senators and shit like bagging on this record uh, which, for its like, immorality. They should know that's the fastest way to make it popular. You know what I mean? Like it was gonna be big anyway, but now it's gonna be like this huge cultural touchstone. Um, a a little accomplished. bit. Well, actually, it's not on our show, but in the companion show to this show, which you guys should all know about soon. Uh, we're going to talk about Two Life Crew a little bit. And it's uh, it really reminds me about like the reaction to Two Life Crew mm-hmm. made them bigger than their music would ever have made them. Yep. Um, and you know what? If that's what ends up happening with Cardi and Megan, that's great. They, yeah, they, they I, I love it. it. I, I love it. And I also love that we're in the post-cat fight hip-hop. Like, there was a time when there could only be one woman and Nicki Minaj kind of got into this a little bit, and Little Kim was definitely into it. Um, but now Megan Thee Stallion specifically has been very um, proactive about working with everybody, women yeah, and working with other women and not making it a competition. Um, and so this is this is a it's a cool cultural moment. Um, I do have to say, uh, and you'll learn in this in our upcoming podcast with our. Uh, crossover guests that we're going to have on today um all podcasts lead back to kanye west um (laughs) i have to say uh wap to me is a riff on the tiana taylor song wtp uh which tiana taylor her album was actually pretty good and got butchered yeah i I listened to it a ton since that woeful summer but um yeah Yeah, uh, but she has a song called wtp that What's that is uh that work oh. and that okay um, okay uh, which like I, I really did wet tight i mean also good um but uh but yeah so I, I feel like uh this is an interesting cultural moment it's hilarious to me it almost feels like is this 1989 again do we I have know. to get bruce it's springsteen like involved can we yeah. can someone ask tipper gore what she thinks <laughs> Uh, See, Dolores Tucker wasn't available for comment. Like, what's going on? Uh, I have to ask you this, and, and it's also kind of a throwback. I guess it's not really an ask so much as I'm going to deposit this and see if you agree with it. But the clean version of WAP is wet and gushy. It's not that much less dirty. Like, <laughs> it's like, is that like, can you say that on the radio? Like, apparently, because if you remember, um, uh, Give it to me, Jay Z and and Pharrell references the the gushy the, stuff. The gushy stuff, yes. Yeah, they, they yeah. do give it to him. If I'm calling them yeah, yeah, correctly, if, it, if yeah. I recall. Um, <laughs> so, so it, I, you know what? As a parent, I don't care as much about the bleeping of the dirty words as context. So I'll play some Tribe Called Quest around my kids that has the occasional shit in it. You know what I mean? Or yeah. fuck or N word. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't play a Cardi B radio version right. because of context. Like, right. bleeps or not, like I that is not the proper thing for my twelve year old, right? Yeah. 
Um, so I, I think it's more, for me, it's always been more about kind of context and everything has a time and place. Uh, yeah, don't play WAP for your, for your eight-year-old. Like, don't do it. But at the same time, I also don't play support core pornography for my little kid. You know what I mean? Like I do. Uh, this is slightly <laughs> off topic, but I think it relates. We, like on, what was it, yesterday, Saturday night, let's say, um, we just wanted to watch like a dumb, comfort, comforting movie to kind of round out the night. We weren't really paying attention. We are on our phones or whatever. And we watched a TV edited version of Beverly Hills Cop. And they wow. didn't, they didn't overdub it like how they would have for like a Saturday afternoon version. They just uh, like took the Blanked volume it. down for, it's not bleeping quite. It's just like, they're just a space where the word would be. There's right. so many spaces because Eddie Murphy is every of that. Yep. And then he, you know, it's like, it's it, like the, the halting rhythm of it and possibly due to my mental state at the time, which like, you know, 11 PM Saturday night, you can guess. Right. Um, right was like hilarious to me. It's just like, why do it? But then I kept watching, you know what I mean? I just wanted well, to rewatch that movie and it was, it was actually way funnier and it called way more attention to the curses than cursing would have. Well, it's, it's this interesting thing of, the, of movies of that era. I watched Coming to America with my kids. Um, that first scene, could, once, you, once you get past that first scene, you're, uh, it's pretty clear sailing, but Jesus, I, man. I, I'm, I'm a European parent. Nudity in context is fine, yeah. um, not wine. Um, but I feel like with that movie I go, you really had, profanity was a key way of selling comedy in the 80s and early 90s. Profanity was the thing. Like it's, it's hilarious, coming to America doesn't need one curse word. It right. still would have been funny. The, the but situations they had to are funny, yeah. It's, it's well-written, it's a funny thing, but I was like, oh, in this time to punctuate a punchline, you had to say shit, yep. you had to say fuck. Especially like, Eddie Murphy, who I think is yep. taking the work of Richard Pryor and furthering it, right? And, and expanding on it. And it's yeah. kind of interesting to me, uh, I remember watching that and going, this could be a regular PG-13, you know, one mention of ass or something movie. Like it didn't have to be all that, but at that time it did, right? in order to be edgy and like cutting edge as rap did at that time. For sure. When cursing in a rap song was like, oh, this is risque. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, it's just kind of kind of interesting. It's where the cultural mores were. It still was like kind of offensive to curse. Now it's like, especially because of like quarantine, just like rotting my brain and me being too tired to worry about it. I just curse freely at work now. You should. Like, like everyone, you should. everyone has to deal with me. Occasionally, if I'm meeting someone new and I'll be like, oh, this fucking guy did this. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I just cursed. Like, are you cool with this? Yeah. And then like, they'll like try to yes. stop if they say no. But it's like, can we all just talk how we talk? Like, yeah. Uh, for context, you guys, Nate works at a daycare. So he's, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm terrible so is, at it. This is how he gets yeah. down. Uh, Nate, we, we have a very interesting episode uh, kind of, something you set up in your kind of Lex Luthor of the indie podcast world. Uh, break it down for the listeners, kind of what, what's going down today. Absolutely. So we have a crossover episode. Um, the, the three of us, when we were setting our goals for this year, decided we wanted to do a lot of interacting with the other indie hip-hop podcasts. And so far we have. We've been on Create 808. We've um, done a two-episode arc, if you will, with Call Out Culture, who are our buds, um, and I'm always kind of, I'm trying to 
bro down with everybody like the kind of behind the scenes like most of the people who if they have a hip-hop podcast we at least have something in common which is we love hip-hop so um i uh pitched that we could collaborate with robin e from the next movement which is an independent hip-hop podcast out of philadelphia and they accepted and they came up with the theme of us discussing um hip-hop film soundtracks as the thing and then i very stupidly go oh hip-hop film soundtrack juice great (laughs) great choice love that movie i'm sure the soundtrack is good and then as you'll see um it's kind of a short conversation because we're kind of like okay this is like not not the most dynamic uh album i've ever listened to in my life but it was really cool to meet them and to kind of catch their vibe and to um we're gonna also guest on their show next week um yeah. i believe next wednesday you're, if you're hearing this on thursday the next wednesday our episode of their part two uh part two will be out where we discuss the boys in the hood soundtrack which is a much better soundtrack um though i would argue that juice is the better movie um and i'm not sure if that's actually something i believe but i at least like watching it more which we get into on the show because it's a little less heavy um anyway so that's that's what happened and um you know there are some really high moments on the juice soundtrack as any rock him fan knows but there there is some the lows are pretty low yeah um, um, and we didn't actually talk about this on either episode, which is funny because I feel like we've been doing this for like four hours today, but um, something I wanted to bring up on both shows and didn't, so I'll sneak it in now, is like, we talked about this a little bit on the Jake One episode about like producer albums and how you don't often get like the, the cream of the crop verse yeah. for your producer album. You kind of like, okay. there's a guy you want to work with and you like the sound of his voice and you're kind of like, okay, I'll take... Yeah. I'll take one you've got laying around or if you could do one for me, but can you write it right now? You know what I mean? That kind right. of vibe. Right. Soundtracks, I think, have often been kind of a dumping ground for, ground for mediocre tracks. tracks. And if you want uh, evidence of that, check out the two short song on either of these soundtracks. <laughs> like, this is not, um, you know, uh, uh, just listen. You'll see. It's, it's, not, peak yeah. it's not peak short. It's not peak short. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree. Been looking for uh, <laughs> <laughs> not that rapping man. It's exactly. I hear you. I hear you. Um, so yeah, this is this is let's consider it part one, where we talk with uh, Ian Rob of Next Movement podcast. Maybe this um, is the first movement, and then they have the next movement. Movement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, somebody who's just getting over um, stomach flu. The word movement is triggering, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we, we talked to them about Juice, um, and then in the follow-up episode, which you'll be able to hear next week on Next Movement Podcast, we talk about Boys in the Hood. So um, the collab, uh, Year of the Collab continues. This is our segment with Next Movement Podcast talking about the Juice original movie soundtrack, Dead Bob Rap Pod. Dad Bod Rap Pod, episode 131, 
if you've been listening to the Dad Bod Rap Pod for the past 130 episodes, and you should have been, uh, but if you haven't, no shade, you know that we occasionally will do uh, what we call a crossover episode with another, with another podcast. Um, today is one of those episodes. We are happy to be joined in the Zoom by E and Rob from the Next Movement podcast. They are going to uh, kind of nerd out with us about uh, a rap soundtrack uh, from 1991 uh, to the movie Juice. Um, this is part of a kind of a two-part thing. They're hopping on our podcast today and we'll be on their podcast talking about a better soundtrack uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the days to come. So stay tuned for that. But I want to bring bring y'all into the, the space. Ian, Rob, how's it going? Peace. Good, good. How are you? Thanks for having us. Yeah, living the dream here, living the dream. So next movement podcast for Dad Bod Rap Pod listeners, um, our demographic is like, like pudgy dudes, like 35 to, to 43, or, or is that just us? Um, uh, for our listeners, kind of just break down what your podcast about and, and kind of what can, can folks expect when they tune in. So our structure is, is pretty, pretty much the same every episode in that Robin, Rob and I, or Rob and I and a guest, we'll focus on one particular hip hop album. So an album within the culture. So we'll discuss that album at length. And when, when Rob and I were coming up with the concept of the show, we really wanted to not just be another podcast that focused on albums, talked about, you know, the same albums that were, have been talked about since the beginning of time. Um, but we really wanted to focus on the issues that the albums brought to light. So, so we try to really dig in. Um, and we talk about all kinds of stuff um, in regards to whatever album we're selecting. And when the guests are on the show, they get to pick the album. So, you know, you're talking about nerding out. Like, that's, that's sort of a, a, the fun in this in that we get to have guests that nerd out with us, too. Um, you know, they become fans, and that's what really connects us when we have guests on the show. You know, they pick a body of work that really means a lot to them within the culture. And so, you know, we discuss that album. Um, and then when even when Rob and I are on, I mean, we're, we're big fans of the culture and, you know, it means a lot to both of us. And so we always nerd out when it's just two of us, especially, um, you know, but we really try to, um, we really try to engage in conversations that, that are really important, particularly important to the culture. Mm. I said a lot, so I'm gonna let Rob talk now. Rob, tell us uh, some of the, the albums that you guys have uh, talked about on the program. Sure, yeah. Uh, we recently did an episode both sides, solo debut, of course. Um, our most recent guest was a poet activist from Philadelphia, goes by the name of Ursula Rucker. Uh, you're Ooh. probably familiar with her mm -hmm. if you listen to The Roots Absolutely. at all. And uh, she actually, uh, she chose a non-rap album that we've talked about on the show and Frank Orange's uh, channel, uh, Frank Orange, Frank Ocean's channel Orange, uh, you know, which we all agreed uh, is still hip hop. Um, no? Okay. So that gives you a little flavor. Uh, let's see, we've also talked about um, Breaking Adams, Main Source, we've talked about uh, J. Rue, The Damager, um, and The Sunrises in the East. Uh, we've had folks like Uncommon NASA come on. Nice. We've talked to 
uh, Zilla Rocca, Curly Castro, uh, Esty Knack, uh, a bunch of, bunch of underground cats. That's awesome. Sure. All of those folks, except for Ursula Rucker, have been on our show as well. So it seems like uh, we're well paired. And uh, I have to take a moment to acknowledge E's hat. I love to yes. make a visual reference yes. on an audio format, but people, <laughs> she wore the juice hat to the juice chat. Yeah. And so I just like have to give the shout out there. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, let's let's kind of move into discussing this soundtrack. I, I chose this soundtrack and I chose not to watch the movie ahead of time. So I'm not, mm -hmm. I wanted to foc focus on it as an album. Yeah. Um, we're going to be discussing the Boys in the Hood soundtrack on your guys' show. And today mm -hmm. on our show, we're talking about the Juice soundtrack from 1991, which I remembered as being a pretty good soundtrack and i'm a record collector so i primarily think of things like as the record itself and they did really good branding on the singles for this um for this record it's like the the juice kind of company sleeve with the logo going all through it and then they'd have the big circular sticker and the one i always remember seeing is the two short um one that which was a fairly common record and then there's the actually good song from this which is eric b and rakim know the mm -hmm. ledge right so um I I was a little shocked at how poorly this held up and in particular at how poorly the R&B on it held up. Like Woo! 1991 was a great time for rap. It was apparently a very bad time for R&B. Um, and I've got my, my notes here where most of these I think are pretty good rap songs. Not I don't want to necessarily go track by track. I, let's kind of start with everyone's general impressions and then lean into the good the good stuff as we go down but woo, there were some stinkers on here um so yeah um damone what did you think about this as a soundtrack um i when you originally picked it i thought it was a great kind of uh, counterpoint to boys in the hood right because they're kind of like counterpoint films and it was kind of the the uh, early hoodsploitation uh movies kind of an east coast west coast binary so it was really interesting to listen in that way and um you know i would echo a lot of what you said um the highs are very high on this record um you know i i feel like um uptown anthem and know the ledge are two of the best songs from those respective artists right from rakim and naughty by nature um but yeah there's some you know we'll, we'll get into it a little bit but there are some Interesting moments. You mentioned it was a tough time for R&B. This is the weird kind of crossover moment of we're kind of hip, hip house, New Jack Swing, and pre-Neo's, like we're a couple years still away from even Neo Soul, right? Yeah. So R&B was in a weird place at this time. And it was interesting to, um, to listen to Juice. And it's, to me, it's, it's, uh, I guess sequenced is the word. The the song selection is very much like um, very kind of New York club um, oriented. I the main takeaway I have from this, and we'll you know, and I can't help but contrast it to Boys in the Hood, is that you could do the Running Man all day to Juice. Like almost every song has Running Man potential, um, yeah. which is not necessarily true on on Boys in the Hood. Um, <laughs> E, you are the hat. I feel like you basically have won this entire challenge right now. Um, what were what were your general impressions of, of Juice as a soundtrack? Hey, you know, 
I, I'm, I'm interested to know why Nate didn't watch the movie before we did this because I wondered if it was because you really liked the movie and you thought that would influence how you felt about the soundtrack. So I, I Juice is one of my, I, I would say top three movies of all times. Like I've, I've seen this movie so many times um, dating back since, I mean, I think I first saw it when I was like 14, 13. So um, it, it's really important to me. And so I, I love the soundtrack. And I don't know if that, maybe that's because I love the movie so much. And a lot of the tracks are in the movie. So I don't know if that's why it, it, it upholds me because I love the movie so much and like that's what's influencing my decision. Um, so I thought that was interesting that Nate said that because I was like, hmm, I wonder if that's why I like it so much still because yeah, I love this movie. Yeah, just to jump in for a second, I've probably seen it in the 20s, 30s. I love the movie <laughs> as well. And like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't want so. I wanted to talk about it as a soundtrack, and I think in the in the rhythm with the fashions on the actors with the scenes playing, it's a totally different um, scenario and the kind of like mise en scène of the the movie. It makes sense. Like everyone's wearing like you know leather jackets and has like their fades, and that that was the soundtrack of the times. And it, yeah. I, I was interested in how it held up in like I, I live in a you know very quiet suburban neighborhood in San Jose California in 2020 you know what I mean like I don't bump <laughs> yeah. a lot of Teddy Riley ballads in my day-to-day -day life at this point mm -mm. but you're yeah. doing it wrong son <laughs> <laughs> what about you Rob what do, what do you think about this as a record as a movie like give us give us your your general thoughts well, I I still do bump Teddy Riley ballads <laughs> on the regular so uh, but but despite that, I mean, I have to agree that the R&B songs on this are kind of uh, cringeworthy in 2020. Um, but, you know, I like what Damone said, the highs are high. I think Uptown Anthem and Know the Ledge might be like two of the best singles to come from a soundtrack of all time. Um, just fantastic songs. And I think that um, the, naughty, the Naughty song in particular was like, uh, exciting for me to revisit just to be reminded of how how great Tretch was like at his peak <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I did watch the movie uh, though ahead of time and I found myself feeling a little a, a little critical this time around of the film and the music in particular like some of the some of the just some of the way the music is used in the film feels just felt a little awkward to me this time around and some of the like absences on the soundtrack, a little little interesting or confusing to me. I mean, the big one obviously is Tupac. Tupac. Yeah, how is there not a Tupac song? I, I, right. I don't know. But like Queen Latifah, why is there not a Queen Latifah song on here? Um, you know, it's interesting that um, How Could I Just Kill a Man is in the movie, but not on the soundtrack. Uh, so it was just interesting to note that as well. I have to say, um, I, I, it kind of takes me out of the movie when the person who's in the movie has a song on the soundtrack. So I'm not hating the choice to not have a Tupac song. And I, I, 91 is a little early for Pac. Pac. Uh, I mean, he was out, though. Yeah. He was was out. Tupac he was. out now? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Tupac uh, was now out in 90, uh, I think? No, it was 
91. Yeah, it was, it was out. It was out. Because okay. this came out in nine, the movie came out in 92, and the soundtrack came out at the end of 1991, December, I believe. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't, Tupac wasn't Tupac yet. You know what I mean? He was like, right. a, he was a digital underground's dancer who had recently made a kind of serious, somber Bay Area mob record. Um, but he was, I think, proved uh, himself to be a magnetic actor in this film. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard this theory. I love to bring this up every time we talk about this. Um, there is a conspiracy theory, call it what you will, that one of the reasons Tupac's life took the form that it did is he never got over playing Bishop. That he, like, yeah. Tupac wasn't a gangster, right? He was like a son of the Black Panthers. He went to performing arts high school. He was like a, you know, a thoughtful person and then he played bishop and he basically became a gangster from that point forward i have no idea if that's true or not but i love it as a like a theory i've heard people talk i heard um omar epps talk about that on the breakfast club they asked him that directly they were just sort of like well you know that's sort of who he became after this i think that's really interesting i rob and i have talked about this on our show about how tupac just had this persona almost like he was acting all the time. I, some, I mean, I obviously didn't know Tupac, but part of me thinks that that's not who he really was. He just put on this front all the time because he wanted people to think that's who he was. Yeah, yeah, I, it seemed, that seems right to me, um, but he took it pretty far. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. I've read, I've read stories about him like on set. One of the stories that I remember is that he would show up late all the time and someone one day like was playing a joke on him and told him he was going he was getting fired and when he found out that it was a joke he like beat the hell out of the guy like you might expect bishop to right right that's method acting baby right exactly, <laughs> exactly. the other the other thing i read though is that that chain that he's wearing the whole film it, he eventually got tattooed on his on his like chest on his stomach yeah. Yeah. uh which i didn't know before yeah, uh, oh, man. which supports this idea, you know, that he like took on the persona in some way. That's that, that's really interesting. I think um, Juice as a as a movie and a cultural moment is really interesting. And I, I too didn't watch the movie, not for not intentionally, but I just didn't watch the movie. Um, but I feel like um, the soundtrack was from an era when the soundtrack meant a lot. So these movies where they were talking about Jews, Boys in the Hood, Above the Rim, these yeah. were like Menace to Society. These were like, um, it's almost as if the movie and the development of the soundtrack were almost on equal par. The music meant as much as the movie, yes. in, in my memory, um, of how those soundtracks went. And so that's why Juice is such an interesting one to me because um, it has... It has a, sh a track from Too Short, So You Want to Be a Gangster, um, which uh, is a, was an interesting pick. The Cypress Hill song is an interesting pick. It's kind of like, I'm not sure what kind of influence Jive had in this thing, but it seems like they got some really key placements there. Um, and these were, they were just interesting. It's interesting, like when you cut open a tree and you see like the, how rainy it was in different years. I think this record is a, is for good or ill is a good snapshot of like 91 uh east coast sensibilities that's what i walked away with and they tried to push in a little too short 
because there was always this move to try to get too short on in New York somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it worked to, to varying degrees. Cypress Hill was so huge, even though they were a West Coast group, they got high placement on that. But yeah, I just look at this record, again, for good and bad, um, as being like, this seemed like what New York was on at that time. Like it really encapsulated um, the up-tempo, we're still rapping up upwards of 100 BPMs. We've got a, a slightly hip house, New Jack swingy thing happening. Um, yeah, super interesting. I want to flag here though, although the song is incredibly problematic, I was very, I got a little nostalgia buzz from hearing um, Son, Son of Berserk's uh, What Can Be Better Bitch. I was just like, oh, this was your one moment. I remember liking the song like a whole lot. Like, where, you know where could have been better? They could have said bitch about 400 less times. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, yes. And it totally doesn't hold up uh, today. But I do remember going, oh, yes. I remember actually being excited about Son of Berserk coming out because of that song, which obviously was ill-placed uh, enthusiasm. I'm just uh, looking at my notes, and all it says is Son of Berserk sounds like said G. It did, not, it did not make a very big impression on me. <laughs> where does said G end and where does Son of Berserk begin? <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting, but uh, that's kind of an arcane kind of note. Nate, how how hard did you do the running man to this back in 1991? No, the lights came up. I would, you know, some running man, some Roger Rabbit. Uh, House Party had come out the year before, perhaps right. a little bit of foot connecting hopping. Um, <laughs> I definitely uh, did, did all that stuff. I was in elementary school when this stuff came out. I probably shouldn't have been watching a lot of it. I have very permissive parents. So I, I saw all these movies when I was a little kid. I was I actually just looked up the house party thing because that's another movie I love. It's probably like my one of my favorite movies of all time. And I don't think of it as a good soundtrack either. It's like you've got Always and Forever and a little bit of the kid and play stuff like their battle from the film, which is not really a good rap song, but was very formative on me um, mm. as a kid. So I think this is more in that camp of like beloved cultural icon of hip hop with just okay soundtrack with a few good songs. Um, and I would like us to steer the conversation a little bit and I'll ask um, Rob to kick this one off. Like, let's talk about Know the Ledge. Like all time great <laughs> song, the propulsive energy of it um, really sets the tone for the movie. Like uh, give, give us some, some thoughts on Know the Ledge and its place here. When I think about that song, I think about the bass. I mean, the, the bass line in that song is just killer and it still hits. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'd say as theme songs go for films, it's probably one of the best. Um, I, I love how it's subtle, but it's, it's, he still says juice like two or three times in there. Make sure you know the name of the film. But, uh, and I'm also just blown away by Rakim in general. Like Rakim for me still sounds, still sounds great. He's on top of the world at this point, and like this, this song is so good. Yeah, uh, but, e, but I think the ledge. I so talking about how the movie and the soundtrack just come together, and and it's almost like they were sort of made at the same time, and like bounced off each other so much. That it, it, it's perfect. Like so, you you think about the intro of the movie Juice, and it's cue on the turntables. And it's this like footage of New York City and it's sped up. And then 
know the ledge comes on and it just like you're so hype like i watched it today and i was just like i get hype every single time i hear it and and see it in connection with the movie so it's it's perfect um i mean i think it's one of my favorite Arabic Arakim songs it, it's just it hits every single time i've never yeah. get tired of hearing it and like rob said that, that. baseline yeah it just hits you um, two little quick notes. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there is a recent-ish NPR Tiny Desk concert where um, Ali Shaheed Muhammad and Adrian Young back rock him, and Ali Shaheed Muhammad plays that baseline. And I remember like DMing Dave the day it came out, and I was like, "Damn, I didn't know uh, Ali could play bass like that. Like that's a fairly tricky baseline." And he nailed yeah. it. And then two, I was wondering if any of the three esteemed panelists had heard. Ghostface's cover slash homage mm -hmm. to this from the Morphish record. Um, because it, while Rakim is uh, an excellent MC and obviously sets the tone here, Ghost brings that energy to the cover. A pretty interesting, hip hop covers is a weird kind of nether it's world weird, where yeah. it's, not, it's not really necessary, but every once in a while there's a good one and he, he kind of takes it in his own direction. Do you know that song, Damone? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with it and I, Felt, I remember feeling like it's right for Ghost because he has the right type of hype energy to carry it. But what's amazing to me about Know the Ledge is that Rakim is so fucking subdued, right? Like, he he never raised his voice. And he's rapping at, I don't know what that shit is, like 105, 106, something, something ridiculous, but maintaining his kind of cool Rakimness. He never seems like he's out of breath or he's, he's mm -hmm. straining. Like, he just gave you... Um, such this kind of eloquence um, at a high speed that like, I would argue maybe his last great song, like his last like great, you know what I mean? And he has, he has a good five or six, but yeah. I, I remember feeling like um, being like, oh, he's still, you know, even in, in 91, Rakim is still killing shit because he, he had the song. And like everybody said, I think it, it, it pairs with the energy of the movie so perfectly and there's not a lot of times that could happen I, I hate to make this analogy but like i think eminem's eight mile was like the next time that a song a rap song and a movie like completely linked up and i said something yeah. nice about eminem so now i just have to <laughs> i'm done for today that's it um just to kind of finish out thoughts on the track list it's it's a pretty good epmd song it's an okay two short song but i think uh the big daddy kane song enough respect was is actually quite a good and a pretty ferocious kane performance yeah. um and weirdly it's not available on the spotify version of this soundtrack yeah. but i was like all right i'm youtubing that one because this is important <laughs> it's big daddy kane there's like big daddy kane is so of the era and of that New yeah. York energy thing that you were describing. E, I, I made sure to go back and listen to that, and I have to say that that vocal performance from uh, Kane on that song is incredible. Yeah, I I had so I I looked for the soundtrack on Spotify just because it's convenient, and I was pissed because I was like, what the fuck? This is like one of the best tracks on here, and so I actually have it on cassette. Nice. And um, I was just like, so I was like, I have to hear that song. Like, if I'm re-listening to the album, you have to hear Enough Respect. Absolutely. Um, you guys have any other uh, thoughts you want to share or any other standout tracks or anything you, you feel like we should note? 
I'm curious. So uh, it sounds like maybe I'm the only one who watched it recently. Uh, but I'm curious to know what you guys think about how the, the DJing, the cutting and scratching in the film. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up, Rob. Thank you for bringing that up. Amongst the DJ community, um, that is one of those, it's right up there with the fake living color DJing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like in the history of fake DJing, which is like the history of fake Jamaican patois. Um, <laughs> the juice, <laughs> Q and juice is, is, has some real, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's up there. I, 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 I never. Omar Epps fault. I think it's bad editing for the most part. Like it's just, it's just what he's doing does not correspond, correspond. To on the screen, which is not right. really Omar Epps fault or even the music. No, 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 no. It's just poorly edited and like, they just made weird decisions. And I, it's weird to think of a time where hip hop was a new enough thing where they're like, yeah, just throw the old wicka wicka on there and no one will know the difference. You know what I mean? Like that's so different from now. Um, But I I actually think the battles are never held in as cool of places as they are in Juice or hosted by people as regal as Queen Latifah. But the idea of the battle (laughs) and how they go and lift the records before he has to go to the battle and then where they go and like, it's Juice is a hip hop movie and so many other things than just its soundtrack placement. It like it's really about like that youth culture that spawned mm-hmm. like the golden era. Sure. We're right on the cusp. Like most people consider '92 or '88 or '94 to be the best years ever in hip hop. We're right here among all of that, yeah. and I think it captures that energy, that dedication, and like the beauty of how exciting hip hop was at that time. Extremely well, even if the DJing is all over the place. Yeah, I mean, in 92 or 91, having that, having DJing in a feature film, I think at all, is like a huge deal. That's a big thing. Uh, The problem is, it just, it doesn't age well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those things where um, the, I think your point, Nate, about these, these are culture movies, and I, I, I watched the movie I actually did watch, which kind of tangentially related to this was um, last night was Spike Lee's School Days. Mm. Um, not a good movie, actually, um, but but culturally relevant, right? Like all the all the cast members from a different world are somehow in Spike Lee's School yes. Days. And the idea of a black college experience is it's in a bad movie, but it's all there. And like EU's doing the black like it. All of these kind of soundtrack movies kind of vary in their, you know, in their quality as film, but as like cultural touchstones, untouchable. Hip hop isn't what hip hop is without something like Juice. Like I remember when that came out, I remember being excited to go to the movies and and watch it. I remember kind of like, oh, I thought Tupac was from the Bay Area, but he's in this movie. And so... The, the movie and the soundtrack together, I think, are um, a potent combo culturally. I think when you, once you strip it apart in kind of the compartmental way that I, I and maybe Nate was looking at it too, um, the soundtrack is just okay. I'll say it's okay. The highs are so high that I'm, I'm able to forgive um, some of the clunkier joints on there. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely feel like... Uh, you will, this will be, this is within the canon of the great hip hop soundtracks. 
let's say yes. hip hop movies. Eh, I'm gonna I'm gonna quibble. It's in the canon of the great hip hop movies, and it has an okay soundtrack. I'm, I can live with that. But I, you know, you know, agree to disagree. Um, we'll, we'll come back on a future episode where Nate will find five better hip hop movie soundtracks. <laughs> uh, we will not bore you with that. Before with that right we go, now. I will. I would like to give E the floor one last time, and if you're gonna defend some of the R and B choices i want to give you a platform you love the movie you love how everything works like convince me let's like give me give me something what's the good r&b song here like what what are we what are we what are we doing in 2020 with these like crazy gated reverb new jack swingy love ballads <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know if i can convince you because i think either you're in or out but so i i'm in so so i'm, I'm with the corny i i love aaron hall um, I, I love Teddy Riley, so I, I'm all in. I mean, right, it's just so enough. nostalgic for me. So yeah. to listen to it now, I think that's why it still means a lot to me. But I mean, are they aged in 2020? Yeah, of course. But for me, like hearing them, I'm like, oh shit, like this takes me back. You know, so that's why they're still meaningful for me. But I, I mean, I, I get why listening to it now, you're like, eh. And maybe even then you were like, eh. Kinda, kinda, yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay. It, you know, if. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm trying to think because like, I think when R&B got really good for me back then, it was more like SWV, Jodeci, okay. like okay. slightly darker, perhaps. Um, the, I just find the, the, the balladry to be very saccharine. And um, it's just hard to like kind of wrap my mind around that. Uh, Look, but, bro, <laughs> if you were to slow dance with some Aaron Hall... Circa, circa 1990, you feel different. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think? I'm, now that I'm talking about this, and maybe this is another show, like when they reintroduced the doo-wop harmony to like youthful black R&B in the 90s, like I'm thinking of Shy specifically, but Boys mm -hmm. to Men probably to Men. more prolifically. Right. That's when it got really interesting. And yeah. I'll just share a spare thought with you guys that I had while I was listening to the radio over the weekend. Um, they don't make songs like uh, Boys to Men, Motown, Philly anymore, where you hear one song and they basically introduce every guy and their entire deal and where yeah. they're from <laughs> and the lineage of getting signed by Michael Bibbins. And like, you know, everything about them by the time the song is over. And it's a good song. Like, yeah. I, I don't think there's really things that exist like that anymore. And I don't know about you guys. I was obsessed with how they would all kind of wear the same outfit, but slightly oh, yeah. variations on it. Like, oh, yeah. that Those sweater yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was into that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, oh, yes. if anybody can, if a listener or anyone on the call can think of an introduction song like that that happens anytime in the last, like, 10 years, I would love to hear. Oh, oh I, was good. <laughs> I was about to say, not, ooh, yeah, that would be really interesting. I, I always go back to, like, float on when they introduce like hi i'm larry yes that's terrious <laughs> yes um, so good <laughs> we gotta bring that back um <laughs> we we really appreciate e rob you guys coming on Thank uh you. nerding out with us Thank about you. juice um a, a classic film and now the soundtrack is controversial on this program but uh, <laughs> uh i want to give you guys the floor one more time e rob uh, tell folks where where they can hear your podcast um yeah give you give your give your promo stees you're you're the best at this rob because you just like it just rolls off the tip of your tongue every time all right i'm gonna pray my wi-fi doesn't die on me mid-sentence um so uh you can find us pretty much anywhere you find podcasts apple google stickter spotify 
uh, all the other places. Um, and you can keep up with us on Instagram. Uh, the next movement pod is our handle on Twitter. Next movement pod. And, uh, we release uh, new episodes twice a month and hopefully you find us interesting. Inevitably we find ourselves like it or not talking about Kanye West at some point. That's always a little entertaining for me Almost at every least. single episode. Um, so check us out. Maybe you'll like what we had to say. Awesome. Thanks guys. And, um, you know, we, we connected about some back behind the scenes podcast biz that we don't need to bore the listeners with, but I appreciate making the connection and I'm really, um, committed to like this little indie podcast movement being thought of yeah. as a community. Um, we, we really like interacting with you guys. Obviously we come from the, uh, a similar place of love and reverence for hip hop culture and we all grew up steeped in it. So now as adults, I think it's really interesting to kind of, uh, do that deep dive kind of examination that you guys do on your show. So I appreciate you and I appreciate you guys joining us today. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Cool. All right. Oh, thank you so much. Absolutely. There it is. Uh, listen to the juice soundtrack, do body rolls to Aaron Hall. Listen to the um, first two songs and then call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> this has been our deep dive on juice uh, i want to thank the next movement podcast for joining us stay tuned for the uh uh crossover episode where me and nate will go talk about uh boys in the hood soundtrack on the next movement podcast so we got you lined up this is like one of those cool episodes of like uh facts of life when when uh different strokes cast members came through and you're like oh shit it's all everybody's here um so we appreciate y'all joining the crossover episode this is the dad bod rap pod Dad Bod Rap Pod, that was our conversation with the Next Movement podcast. Um, shout out to, uh, to Next Movement, man. That was, that was a really cool combo. Ian and Rob are both really cool. They know their stuff. They, um, they certainly um, brought a lot to the conversation and to the table, and it was really nice to get to know them a little bit. I'll, I'll say this, um, not just to promote their show, though we should be doing that as part of the kind of social compact of the collaboration, but our conversation about Boys in the Hood is way better. Um, so you should listen You should listen next week. To if their, you like uh, this, you will yeah. love our conversation about just, Boys in the Hood. Just, in there's part, more to talk better. about, yeah, yeah, and it's just because it's a better soundtrack. But um, yeah, I feel like I need to watch both movies, don't you? Yeah, it, it does make me want to uh, want to go back. Um, my My current partner is 28. And so I, I tried to show her uh, kind of things like, hey, look at this thing from the 50s. You know, <laughs> for her, <laughs> right? With the 80s. So I showed her School Days the other night. Mistake. Not yeah. a good movie. Yeah. Um, so now I'm kind of, I'm mulling over like, you know, would, which one of these are, are both of these appropriate? Would a 20, could somebody 28 vibe? with uh with either or both of these movies and now i'm, I'm intrigued so yeah I'm, I'm, uh, I'm gonna if if you end up showing her juice i'm fascinated to see what she thinks see what the reaction yeah is. and like it, 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 is it pure nostalgia why we like it or is it like 
an actual good movie that someone who doesn't know these people or, does, or cares about this time, who doesn't care about the DJ battles of 1991 or what yes. Timberlands look like, you know. Uh, would they care? Yeah, would, you, would they would, care? Does, does it hold up as an actual movie? So right. I, I, I do and this with my kids She's got to know who Tupac is though, right? She does, but at the same Tupac, time... She knows Tupac as that famous dead guy. Kind of, yeah. and not as like, you know, the, the we had a Tupac episode with Thomas Hobbs, but Tupac's kind of influences Wayne. I think if you're under 35... You don't really care. It's not a big deal to you. It's more like how somebody told you about James Dean. Right. Right, right? That's it's fascinating, like it did, yeah. Like it doesn't hit for you that way. So I'm curious to check out uh, Juice especially, because uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it, and, and E's enthusiasm about the movie. And the fact that she had the hat, like the juice hat is totally made my day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We, so we appreciate uh, next movement podcast for working with us on these two episodes. We encourage you to, to check out their podcast. They're in all the places that fake radio can be accessed. Um, we are in all the places that fake radio can be accessed, including Google play, uh, Spotify, Apple music, uh, SoundCloud, kiki.co.uk um i'm never getting rid of my google play subscription and you know why because i was listening to what had happened was mike eagle in prince paul's amazing podcast about de la soul is dead google play allows you to upload your own shit so you can put it in there so i i have it in there so now I'm like, why, why do I feel like I listen to De La Soul is Dead and people say it's not on the streams? Right. I'm like, oh, because I you had to physically upload it. Uh, I uploaded it. For yourself. You lucky. So, yeah. I have like the f- actual files from when they gave away the stuff when it became clear they weren't going to get on streaming like 10 years ago. Uh, maybe it was more like six or seven years ago. I don't know if you remember that. They did on No, that. I do. I do. That's how I got Balloon Mind State. Yeah. Because my CD was fucked up. But they, yes. so they gave away the kind of whole catalog. For, it was like a week or something on the blogs. Like it was very brief. I got that. And now you um, can access it through your streaming platform. That's pretty tight, dude. Yeah. So I, I listened to what had happened was, which you guys should all. Oh my God. It's so to. good. Uh, um, best we're not ever. jealous of very many podcasts, but Jesus, that's just like just like I listen to it, and I'm like, we don't know what we're doing. Yeah, um, this is this is how it should be done. Yeah, so definitely check that out. Um, but uh, you know, we ain't bad. Uh, so we're out here, Dad Bod Rap Pod. We should be on IG Live five p. 5 p.m. PST on Friday. So we have um, a pretty important thing at 4 o'clock this Friday that we can't talk about it yet, but you guys will be hearing mm-hmm. sometime soonish. Huge. Uh, it's, I, I, love, I love the announcement of the announcement, but yes, we have, we have a big interview. Um, shout out, of course, to the, the booking god, Dave Mock. Yeah, Dave couldn't make it today. Uh, Dave has work-life stuff going on. We miss him, David. Thank you for yeah. everything. If you make it this far in the podcast, uh, listening to it at home, I'll be kind of shocked because this is kind of the perfunctory uh, social media announcement part. But um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, shout out to Dave. The show would not exist without Dave. Dave is a huge part of what we do. And it's, it sucks. He couldn't be here today, but he had something going on. So that's life. Yeah, we and we support uh, Dave being gainfully employed. (laughs) Being gainfully employed in these days and times. Yeah. Um, so we appreciate you guys tuning in and rocking with us all the way to the bitter end. 
This has been episode 131, Dad Bod Rap.